The Lord is good. If you believe that, give me an amen. amen. All right, quickly, let's open our Bibles to the book of um, Jeremiah chapter 10. We have a number of these scriptures that we read once in a while, and I keep on doing that reminder. Please do that every day. Take a few. It doesn't have to be the one I have read. Just take one. Uh, this is my advice. Take one that declares the Lordship of Jesus. Talk about five to ten verses. You can do twenty verses, fine. Uh, or one that declares the judgment of God into the air. That one is very important, too. <laughs> How do you know it's very important? He said, when thy judgments are upon the earth, O God, their inhabitants do what? They learn righteousness. Christians say that God is just a God of mercy. He's not just a God of mercy. I was listening to Derek Prince. He says he's a God of anger and he's a God of judgment. There's not just a God of love and a God of mercy. He's a God of anger and he's also a God of what? Let me hear you. Judgment. He's a God of judgment. And therefore, his judgments to begin on the earth, you need to pray that he will do it. And one of the reasons why you do that is so that you will not be destroyed with the rest of the world. It's important. Those who cry because of the iniquity that is in the land, they are spared from the judgment when it comes upon iniquity. Those who don't care, even if they don't do iniquity, they are judged along. Did you hear what I said? Those who don't cry, who don't agonize because of the wickedness that is in the land, even though they do not do the wickedness, God judges them along when is the time of his judgment. Don't ever forget that thing I said. There is no sitting on the fence in Christianity. There is absolutely no sitting on the fence. You are either for him or you are against him. And when you are not, when you try to be in the middle, he takes it that you are against him. Don't forget that. So you should declare the judgment of God into the air. This morning I was talking with my wife and I told her some stories. She couldn't believe that this human beings will do that. For what? You know this country, say things don't work. She likes the truth. At least minimum of seven, no, minimum of eight out of ten of those that say things don't work, don't want them to work. Their complaints are limited to the fact that they are not benefiting currently from the disorder. That's the truth. So you need to cry against iniquity in the land. You need to. The easiest way to pray is, to, is just to take... See, let me tell you what you do with your Bible. Like, um, our victory, remind me. We have about six reasons why we read our Bibles, right? Number one, to know the works of God. To have the general knowledge of God. To know the promise of God for our lives. Bobo? Eh? Good, that's what I was waiting for you to get to. To, you, to know the words to use in prayer. We have a long list, about six or seven of them. I, I wanted him to get there. We'll do it in the house. We'll recite the reason why we read our scriptures. One of them is to know the words to use in prayer. Sometimes we are too, you know, you don't need to be too innovative in prayer. 
There's nothing you are going through. Nobody, somebody hasn't gone through before in the scriptures. Nothing. Just find what they said. Say the same thing. I hope you're getting my point. Just find out what they said and do what? Say the same things. Please, important we understand that. So please, let's bear in mind. That's the reason why we do this. That's the reason why we start every day now declaring the righteousness of God. So I said declare God's glory. Declare his righteousness. Declare his judgments. Declare the fact that Jesus is Lord. Declare those things into the air. That is an assignment we all have. We must declare God's judgment into the air. We must declare God's judgments into the air. We must declare that Jesus is Lord. I hope you are getting my point. Please, I would like you to make sure you do it before you sleep. Because I learned the principle of the final word <laughs> recently. Every day, issue for the final word before you sleep. It's important. All right, Jeremiah chapter 10. Let's do that again. We'll do that once in a while. Okay, we'll do the reading once in a, um, every time. But we'll read that Jeremiah chapter 10 once in a while. From verse 6, yes. Again, let's try and use the same version so as to be able to achieve resonance in our reading, okay? So the one we, most of us have, we have checked over time. I know it's partly my influence, so, but it's okay. <laughs> I'm the one teaching here most of the time, so if I have not influenced you, I have not been doing my work. <laughs> it's New American Standard, all right? Are you ready? From verse 6, 1 to let's go. There is none like you, O Lord. You are great, and great is your name in might. Who will not fear you, O kings of the nations? Indeed, it is your due. For among all the wise men of the nations, and in all their kingdoms, there is none like you. They are all together stupid and foolish. In their discipline of delusion, their idol is wood. Beaten silver is brought from Tarshish, and gold from Ophers. The work of a craftsman and of the hands of a goldsmith. Violet and purple are their clothing. They are all the work of skilled men. But the Lord is the true God. He is the living God and the everlasting King. At his wrath, the earth quakes and the nations cannot endure his indignation. Read verse 10 again. But the Lord is the true God. He is the living God and the everlasting King. At his wrath, the earth quakes. And the nations cannot endure his indignation. Please, I read in verse 10 again. Say, Jesus is the true Lord and the true God. One, two, let's go. But Jesus is the true Lord and the true God. He is the living God and the everlasting King. At his wrath, the earth quakes, and the nations cannot endure his indignation. Verse 11. Thus we shall say to them, The gods that did not make the heavens and the earth will perish from the earth and from under the heavens. Please, we are reading verse 11 again. Just that what you will say to them. One, two, let's go. The gods that did not make the heavens and the earth will perish from the earth and from under the heavens. One more time. The gods that did not make the heavens and the earth will perish from the earth and from under the heavens. One more time. Verse 12. It is he who made the earth by his power, who established the world by his wisdom, and by his understanding he has stretched out the heavens. When he utters his voice, there is a tumult of waters in the heavens, and he causes the clouds to ascend from the end of the earth. He makes lightning for the rain and brings out the wind from his storehouses. Every man is stupid, devoid of knowledge. 
Every goldsmith is put to shame by his idols, for his molten images are deceitful, and there is no breath in them. They are worthless, a work of mockery. In the time of their punishment, they will perish. The portion of Jacob is not like this, for the maker of all is he, and Israel is the tribe of his inheritance. The Lord of hosts is his name. Read 16 again. But the portion of Jacob is not like this, for the maker of all is he, and Israel is the tribe of his inheritance. The Lord of hosts is his name. Who, listen to me, who is the tribe of his inheritance? Ah, answer now. <laughs> they are afraid. Okay, who is the tribe of his inheritance? Alright, let's settle it. I've already said that one of my favorite teachers is Israel is Israel. The church is the church. I said, no. Israel is a type of the church. That's clear. How do I know? Paul said, peace be upon the Israel of God. There is what is called the true circumcision, and there is what? The false circumcision. In the same manner, there is the true Israel, and there is a false Israel. What is the false Israel? Those who believe that their Israelness is purely based on natural descent. Who are the descendants of Abraham? Those who are descendants, how? 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 Ah, I don't know why I was in this place. That's why students feel like they don't go great talk. Who are the descendants? How are we descendants of Abraham? By faith. By faith. Is it the natural descent? Uh, please go and read Galatians, the book of Galatians. Paul was, he went to town on that to explain it. The natural Israel, he said, is a descendant of who? Hagar. But the real descendant of Isaac is the one that is from above. I hope you are getting my point. So he said at the end, let no one trouble me, for I bear on my back the brand marks of Christ. He now prayed, peace be upon whom? The Israel of God. I hope you are getting my point. Now let me ask again. Who is the tribe of his inheritance? The church. Yes, or I, or us. Anyone you say is correct. Let's take the church. Who is the tribe of his inheritance? The church. Who is the tribe of his inheritance? The church. Some people tell me, hey, Pastor Banky, you are preaching replacement theology. Don't give me a name. Just understand what the scripture says. Did the church replace Israel? Of course not. We say Israel is the type of the church. Nobody's replacing anybody. All of us have our inheritance in whom? In Christ. So anyone who's in Christ has the same inheritance. There's no separation. There's no wall of partition. Please, do not preach a gospel that partitions the people of God into different groups. The wall of partitioning clearly has been broken. All right? It's not right teaching to preach a doctrine that um, there's still a wall of partition. That was why Paul was raised up, to let us understand that there's no longer a wall of partition. We are all now one in Christ Jesus. He says what? There is one body. I hope you're getting my point. There is one hope of our inheritance. There is one Lord. There is one Father. I hope you're getting my point. All of us have what? One hope. If you're a Christian, listen, if you're a Jew and you say God promised you something, hear ye the word of the Lord. That promise will never be fulfilled outside Christ Jesus. God will not fulfill that promise outside Christ. Because in him, all the promises of God are what? Yes and amen. So it's in Christ Jesus that we have our inheritance. And when we, have, we preach a doctrine that says there's still a division, we are denying the fact that Jesus Christ came and then he broke down that wall of partitioning. 
So we, Jews and Gentiles, doesn't matter. Once we believe in Christ Jesus, we are the tribe of his inheritance. So let's read that verse 16 again. All right, are you there? One, two, let's go. The portion of Jacob is not like this. For the maker of all is he. And Israel is the tribe of his inheritance. The Lord of hosts is his name. Amen. Amen. Thus we have declared the lordship of Jesus Christ into this environment. We declare it into our lives. Amen. Say amen like you are there. Amen. We declare it into our lives. Amen. We declare it into our families. Amen. We declare it into the church of God. Amen. We declare that Jesus is the owner of the church. Amen. We declare that Jesus is the head of the church. Amen. We declare that Jesus is the head of his body. And anyone that contests that position with him will be brought down in the name of Jesus Christ. Anyone that wants to elevate himself, herself in such a manner that the people of God will look up to that individual. Rather than fixing their eyes on Jesus, who is the head of his body, that person will lose his or her position in the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus will be exalted. Into this nation, we declare that lordship also. Over Nigeria, we say Jesus is Lord. Over the whole of Africa, we say Jesus is Lord. We said in this generation, this whole world will realize that Jesus indeed is Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ. All right, we're going to sit down in a moment. Before we do that, let's quickly take our declaration of understanding as we usually do. And I believe most of us know it by heart. All right? One, two, let's go then. Now I declare, the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding as a result of this. I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I'm pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 I said amen. amen. If you believe the Lord is good, see another amen. Let's take our seats and let's do our teaching for today. Amen. Amen. We are going to continue teaching and I hope that today will be the last of the um, days of teaching on the expression or the breath of faith. Um, Why I chose a different title rather than expression is simply because um, in our Barclay Study Center we did that series, Expressions of Faith, about two years ago. So I said, let's not cause confusion in our archives. We're teaching the same thing anyway. Of course, we'll say some things differently. All right, so we have been looking at um, that for some time. I hope today will be the last of the days. And what I will be saying, check yourself to be sure you are still in the faith. Check yourself to be sure you are still in faith. I said two different things, all right, but I won't discuss them. Check yourself regularly to be sure you are still in the faith. That is, you still hold on to Christ Jesus. And the other thing, check yourself that you are still in faith, meaning that you are still walking by the knowledge of the unseen, which is the primary way by which you should walk. I was, I went for a, um, um, I think it was during the election, I saw one man, okay, a Christian, a senior person, and I saw a book with him. And that was instructive because of the way he did it. I saw the book, uh, Business by the Book, by Larry Bucket. Um, so I said, sir, you know this book? He said, yes. So we talked about it. But along the line, I said something. So, we, of course, we came for elections, so we're going to sit down for some time for verification, you see, accreditation, whatever, then voting. So we're going to be there for a while. 
So he prepared to stay by bringing the book. And he said, I have to read things like this once in a while. So that someone will check whether he's still serving God or he has begun to serve himself. Did you hear that? So I want to be sure that I'm still serving God and I'm not, I'm not, I have not begun to serve myself. It's important, therefore, Christians, let's check, let's do um, self-evaluation once in a while. Just look at your works. That's what we're saying. Like last time we talked about your words. What kind of words have you been speaking? You know, let me say it again. These things slip away from you. They slip away from you. If you start falling sick very more often than before, you have fallen from faith. That's just the way it is. Check it. All right? Something is wrong. You may say, but I didn't do anything wrong. Then let me tell you something. You are supposed to step up to another level of faith. You can't be on the same level of faith perpetually. Faith has levels. So you will hear Jesus Christ talk about faith in different measures. He will tell you about faith being the size of a mustard seed. He will say, oh, ye of what? Little faith. Faith can be small. And he will look at somebody and say, great is thy faith. And look to another person and say, I have not seen faith as great as this in Israel. Many people working with him had faith. Philip and Co. they have faith. What's the name of it? Peter, he had faith. John, James, all right, Andrew. They all have faith. But he saw a man who was not a Jew, who was not of the tribe of Israel. And he said he had not seen faith like that with Peter, James, John, and Co. I hope you're getting my point. So faith has what? Measure. So sometimes, if you're on the same measure of faith, all right, for a long period of time, God takes it as you are falling from a particular level. You think you're on the same level, but God said, by reason of time, you should no longer be one that's using milk. By now, you should be using solid food. So he looks at it as a deficiency, as a falling away, even though you're on the same level. So when I say do self-assessment, it's not about you just um, deciding that I'm okay. No. Look at how I've been speaking. I gave an illustration just a short while ago. That's my me. If I every time you see me, I'm sick. And I, me, I know. I say, hey, oh boy, Banky, take it easy. This pastor title they are giving you is confusing you. Sit down. <laughs> all right? That's one reason why I like to take a break once in a while. Okay? Rather than just teaching and talking and talking all the time. Sit down. Now, what I do, of course, everybody, you know how the Lord meets you. I know the corner of the garden where the Lord and I, where we speak. It is not the corner of my room. What I just mean is that uh, some people say they went and prayed, they prayed, they prayed for a long time. The Lord began to speak to them. It's very good. That's it, it's bad. No, it's right. I mean, I, I even quote some of those things that people heard. But me, <laughs> if I like pray, pray for nothing tomorrow, you doesn't say nothing. I know some of you are happy to hear that because you've been praying for a long time. Nobody has told you anything. So as well, you two, two of us were in the same boat. So don't you hear from the Lord, but we hear you say some things. Well, that's where I was going. For me, where I hear from the Lord is as I focus on studying the scriptures. As I'm reading my Bible, that is where instructions jump up from. Where I, when I go to pray, I go to talk to the Lord. I confess my life to him. I lay down my life before him. I tell him things. I lay down my worries. But when I really hear from God, it's when I read my Bible. When I really hear from God, it's when somebody is teaching me. I'm an addict of listening to other teachers. My, my, if, you, if you enter my car, I have my phone a lot of times, you know. <laughs> that is something funny happened. I'll use a particular message by Derek Prince, sons of the Zion, the sons of Greece. So, you know, I have two different Bible, uh, play about, I have more than two um, um, audio apps on my phone. So, I, um, if you follow me on 
if you, okay, when Twitter was still available in Nigeria, you can actually know when I'm doing some things. When I start tweeting, like, something's going on. There's something I'm doing. Don't think I just have inspiration out of nowhere. Either I'm listening, I'm editing a message, or I'm listening to somebody or reading a book. Something I actually pack to quickly type one so I don't forget. So I, I was into something the man said. So I paused. Okay. I think I quickly made a note. But make a long story. I went back to continue. Then I was driving. I was not driving. After I navigated a part of traffic, I went back to continue what the man was saying. Only to find out that I didn't know when I jumped back. Why didn't this jump back? So I was thinking, how did I jump this thing back? I didn't know I switched to another, no, another app. <laughs> and two apps were playing the same thing. So I just switched from one to the other. One was ten minutes ahead. That's why, I, uh, for me, I don't mind. I listen to it all over again. I, I have a lot. I have a nice time doing it. I have a nice time doing it. All right. I have hundreds, literally. I don't want to say thousands, but it may be close to that of messages on my phone. That's why I entertain myself. Sometimes if I don't feel like sleeping, that means like I, I'm lying down, but sleep is not coming quickly. I say, okay, either I fall asleep or I hear the word. So as soon as I start, after five minutes, I'm deeply asleep. Sometimes I start dreaming of preachers. It's because of what is playing <laughs> beside you. It's not dreaming that somebody's talking to you. It's not the spirit. <laughs> it's the message you are playing. Personally, it works for me fantastically. So if I take a break, that's what I do. So go and read books. Um, listen to messages, and read my scriptures. That is when I actually hear from God. That's when the word of God becomes alive to me. I hope you're getting my point. Uh, you, know, you know, occasionally we have to build up our faith. Let me tell you when you need to build up your faith, when you have a challenge coming. Build up your faith before that challenge. Did you hear what I said? All right? If you're approaching your final exams, as an example, you're a student. Okay, don't read harder. That is your book, your engineering textbooks, all right? Your economics textbooks, you know, your advanced physics textbooks. That's not what you need. What you need is more meditation on what? The word. Build up your faith. Build up your faith. People don't realize that. They tend to build up more of the flesh. Towards the exam, you want to spend more time um, reading. Let me just quickly really drop this for students. Be consistent in reading. Read every day. Have a plan for continuing your studies. This crashing towards the exam is not the will of God. Many of it is pure flesh, activities in the flesh. When you say trial, come your exam is a form of trial. Build up what? Your faith. That is when people stop going to church. And they stop, you know, spiritual activities. Error. What did I call it? Error. Error. It's not the time to stop spiritual activities. It's time to ramp up spiritual activities. I remember one of our brothers does this in school. Brilliant student. I must say he was a bad student. But something happened to him. He was heading our, one of our units in the fellowship. So, exam was coming. And they've been very, very busy in the fellowship and a lot of things that he was doing. So he went to class. And he's a very hardworking person. Actually, I testify of that. So he went to class that day, sat down to read. And then something he him said, go and pray. So he left his book. He had exam the next day. A very, you know, there are courses in every um, training, you know, that everybody knows is a difficult one. He was doing one of those difficult ones the next day. So he came to class to read. Then his spirit just go and pray. So he went to our sports complex, and then he prayed. And then he prayed. He spent a long time praying and worshiping and gave the Lord thanks. Then returned to class. He sat down and started reading. 
He read five topics. Okay? Yes, five topics. Took time and read five topics, got up, and they got tired. He went to the hostel and slept. Woke up in the morning time for the exam. You know what happened? The last five topics he read, they were just put down there. One, two, three, four, five. And those are the only five questions he was supposed to answer. He answered them and got an A. He's somebody I know very well. I had my own personal experience. I've heard him tell the story a number of times. I didn't like biochemistry for whatever reason. I didn't like it. Well, I know the reason anyway, but <laughs> I didn't like it. And as I was approaching my main exam, we call it second MB, which is done in third year of College of Medicine. Ah, make a long story short. I told the Lord, I need to do this. I have to pass this. I don't want to repeat this exam. I want to pass. And the Lord said, I didn't hear a voice. I'm just playing it back now. I know what I said, but experience will help me play back what he said. So the Lord said clearly, that one I knew it was the Holy Spirit. I even knew it then. Stop saying biochemistry is volatile. So that was the first thing I did. I stopped saying it was volatile. I told the story. A friend of mine came. The day I made up my mind to stop saying it, a tempter sat beside me, Satan, entered into Peter and said to me, biochemistry is volatile. And I answered him. I said to him, get behind me, Satan. And I didn't say that as I like that. What I said to him is, biochemistry is not volatile. I turned to him again. I said, biochemistry is not volatile. Then I turned to him the third time. I said, biochemistry is not volatile. Ah, he said, ah, ah, like, <laughs> waiting now. Ah, what is it? Uh-huh. And now what he did not realize was that I was fighting a spiritual battle. And I was rebuking my Satan who had entered into him. Do you get my point? He didn't realize that. So I decided, of course, that the second thing the Lord let me know then, the Holy Spirit, was I should be reading it. Because before that time, I found it very boring, very uninteresting. We had three subjects we were doing, anatomy, physiology, and biochemistry. I will come to class, I enjoyed anatomy, I read it very well. I will come to class, I enjoyed my physiology, I read, read it very well. One time, I'll just dump it. So don't let me know you have to be reading. So I started reading it by faith, all right? You use faith to obey God, not just to collect something. The primary assignment of faith is to help you please God, not to get something. It's to help you please God. That is the primary assignment of faith. So, that's what I did. I used faith to obey God. I began to read it. Now, why I'm telling the story is that the day of the exam, the day of, because we had the, the MCQ section and then the essay section. We had another one later, practicals. But I want to talk about the essay section. After the MCQ in the morning, you know, the night before the exam, I was in class. I, I was I just tired because we had done one uh, anatomy on Monday, but chemistry on Tuesday. This was now Tuesday evening for, no, for physiology on Tuesday, sorry. It was not Tuesday evening to do biochemistry on Wednesday. So I was, in all the work, I was kind of tired. So I came to class to read. I couldn't concentrate. I said, listen, let me go and sleep. Because <laughs> I got up to leave the class. I said, remember LT3? I, I, towards the back, I saw somebody reading a particular sheet of paper. Then it dawned on me as the day we were taught that subject and given that handout, I put mine somewhere and never saw it again. So I just said, what? I forgot this. I collected from the person. I sat down. And digested the handout, internalized the handout, and swallowed the handout. Then I gave it back to the owner. I went back to the hostel and I went and slept. Next morning, it was exam time, came, did the MCQ. We had a short break before the essay paper. I went back to my room to read. Make a long story short. Something means say, oh, I still, I still remember. I, see, that was 1988. I still remember all the questions till today. It was dramatic. 
it was striking. And I remember the one I read that first night. And this next day, something me just said, oh, you have not read this one. I said, it's true. One of the reasons why I didn't like biochemistry was the structure. just kept on drawing structures and drawing structures. I didn't have the kind of, um, anyway, didn't have the kind of flow I had with the other subjects. You know, you could work out some things. That's how I felt. Now I think there's some order to it, actually, now that um, I'm older. But so this, all these ones now had to do with a lot of structured drawing. What to remove carboxy group, what we add the amine group, you understand my point? What we cut, um, uh, what the um, sulfur from added to what hydrox, you know, those things. So I, but that thing, I just remembered it, so I opened that portion of the other textbook or notes, and I read it thoroughly. As soon as I was done with that, the same thoughts would drop again. What about this? Then I'll go over to that one and read it. And that happened for three topics. And I remember all of them till today. In case you are daring me, one is metabolism of branching amino acids, isoleucine and co. Synaptic transmission, <laughs> the biochemistry, biochemical basis, biochemical basis for neuromuscular transmission and de novo synthesis of cholesterol. Oh, I remember them till today. You think I'm kidding? <laughs> I remember them. I remember them till today. I, I don't remember the answer. <laughs> ah, yeah. I don't take the, I don't take the uh, answer, eat a bar, eat beans, take and marry, bump a kid, start ministry. The answer, I don't go. <laughs> Some people, they want to come and tell me the answer, I'm not interested, leave it. But then I read all of that, and then I went to class. Let's make a long story short. Remember last night I read one thing? Now I read how many? Three. We're giving eight questions to choose any five. All four line themselves up. All four lined themselves up. Yes, it happened. We're giving three hours. Two hours, 15 minutes, I was done. The, all those structures, I remembered every single one. I wrote them well. Two hours, 15 minutes, I was done. So I made up my mind that something's wrong. Something must be wrong. How can you finish this in two hours, 15 minutes? Why wouldn't I? I wasn't doing much thinking. <laughs> Everything was just coming out by themselves. So you know what I did? I started again, going through the answers line by line, checking the structure, which, which uh, enzyme did I forget, which did I not join properly. I was going like that, going like that. I didn't find anything. So two hours, 30 minutes, I picked up my script, submitted, and walked away. That was how God delivered me. So I'm trying to say God works miracles. He does. You've heard the story in my final year. He did the same thing for me. I prayed a prayer. And the Holy Spirit says, is it that you don't want this examiner or you don't want this particular case? I said, no, Lord, I want to pass. I prayed the prayer twice, two different sides of it. Next day, I got the examiner. I got, you know, I said, God wanted to tell me. I was standing there when you were speaking. So why will I, therefore, approaching the time of my testing in life, I run away from building up my faith. I start going to practice in the flesh. Why will, you know, that's one mistake people make. The time of your testing, build up your faith. Faith is what you need to survive in life. Life is spiritually controlled. Life is spiritually controlled. Life is spiritually controlled. It is not, the race is not to the swift, he says. The battle is not to the strong. Bread is not to the, how does it go again? No favor to men of understanding. Bread is not to the mighty, no favor to men of understanding. He said, when you look under the sun, sun, it will appear like what? Time and chance happens to all men. But Paul explained later, the truth is that it's of God 
that shows mercy. So if I'm approaching the time of my testing, what should I do? Build up my faith. There's faith for conception. Natural, that is, giving birth to children. Some people spend more more time reading the physiology of ovulation and time of... Do you get my point? Read your Bible. The scriptures have more to say. You know, too much medical knowledge, it undermines faith. Oh, it undermines faith. Too much medical knowledge. Listen. (laughs) Thank God, where, where sin abounds, where knowledge abounds, Faith much, that is what I'm trying to say is that when you have natural knowledge, God has to give us, I'm telling you the truth. I need to exercise because I'm medically trained. I'm a specialist. I still train medical students. I was telling my children the other day, I said, I know, was it this morning we were talking? Yes. I said to them, I know about diseases more than 99.99% of human beings on this earth. And that's not bragging, you know, like saying, hey, who do you think you are? I know who I am. <laughs> I know who God says I am. I mean, listen, of the human beings on the earth, how many of them are medical, are medical doctors? Of the medical doctors, how many of them specialize as pathologists, for goodness sake? So let's get, I'm not bragging. So I coronavirus, I know who's coronavirus. I know how he kills. But then God has given me understanding that he can't do anything except he says, go ahead. I've come to understand that the physical things that we see do not come by themselves, but are made out of things that do not appear. So every day, do you, I, I have to remind them myself of this. No matter, look, listen. Let me, I'm not lying to you. I know about why people die. I know the number of people I have delivered from judgment. When, I mean, that is, they are on trial for killing somebody. Oh, yes, oh, I do that. Just these days, I don't like to get involved. When they call me again, I look for somebody else to do. Which that's the thing we used to do. They tell you a story. Say, this guy is in detention. Say, he killed this woman. You hear the story. I have to prove why the woman died. And it's, that this announcer explained that, no, it's not this man that killed. I know why people die. I can, I can spend the next 30 minutes telling you different stories of people that we have de- delivered because they've been wrongly accused. Say, remember four young girls that they said they beat their classmate to death. I say, it's not true. I had to prove it. I know why people die. Okay? But in the midst of everything, if I remember this when I first came to Enugu, if somebody died, I said, hey, listen, I know they see which you. Come on, they tell me what killed the person for us as a professional. I say, wait. But I can see the arrow of the witch. That's not a problem. What I call the arrow of the witch, if witch you stroke to kill you, I will find the stroke. <laughs> but whether which witch sent it, they're not just that one for school. In not the medical textbook. <laughs> Do you know, when I tell people that, a lot of them run away. What do they expect him to see? They think I'm a false prophet. I will see the, they will bring out stone. You know, they always bring out stone. I hope you know those stones play your magic. The stone is not the original. Let's not get there now. What I'm going to say is this, all right? So I understand these things. But God had to help me to get another, another set of knowledge to help me not be, you know, even if I see bullets kill somebody, literal bullets, okay, I still have the understanding that it's not a game of chance. That God had to approve that death. That there is no accidental death. And there, there are different ways by which God has helped me over time. To even other people's stories. Three people shot at a point blank range. 
Okay, maybe not point blank, but very close range. And the person told me that he knew that he was not going to live beyond that particular age. He was not going to make it to his next birthday. And his birthday was around the corner. But before that time, he had given his life to Christ. And the spirit of death that was following him about had been driven away. He did not even know. He just knew that thing that was following him about had stopped. But just like the case of the Israelites in the time of Esther and Mordecai, the decree had been given that on this particular day, these people would be exterminated. But the king had to write another decree so that they would be delivered. So they could deliver themselves and their friends could help them in deliverance. In the same manner, another instruction was given concerning his life. And the spirit was told to block that death from reaching him on that particular day. As they blocked his car and brought out their gun and pointed at him at the close range and pulled the trigger. The angel put a hand there and blocked it and dropped the bullet into the door. How did he manifest? He hit a particular part of a mechanism that winds his car up and down, which he just raised up a few minutes before that. Now, that's how he plays out physically. But spiritually, what happened was an angel that put his hand and said, thus far and no further. Dropped the bullet and the spirit of death walked away. That was done. We have come to understand that. That even if a plague were to enter a land like Ebola and kill half of the people that are infected, those people were marked one by one. No game of chance. But when you have so much knowledge, sometimes, you know, people, oh, God, I've seen, you know, when, when people, the doctors talk to you sometimes, they'll make you as if you don't know what you are saying. That's like, they're not being, it's just too much knowledge. When you speak spiritually, they think you are denying medical knowledge. I don't deny medical knowledge. I don't. I don't know why I can say so myself, but God has helped me over time. All right? I hope I'm still humble when I say this. All right? <laughs> but I have been able to subdue even common medical knowledge, all right, to common spiritual sense. What I mean is that sometimes they will tell me something, I say, listen, and I'll give an answer to even an unbeliever on how to handle something in a natural way. And they'll find out that I'm right. And I also understand that what I have done is not just because of my plenty knowledge in the realm of medicine. No. It's because I have been able to subject that to the knowledge of God. Because the truth is that this world that you are living in, there are a bunch of liars. The word lies a lot. And sometimes you don't know where the lie started. The lie creeps into general knowledge. It becomes standard knowledge. Now, let me ask you a simple question that will surprise you. I found out recently I almost fell down. How many people have heard about global warming? If you have heard of global warming, even if you are not teaching geography and you've heard of global warming, please put up your hand. Good. Now, how long have you been hearing about global warming? In fact, for people like Victory here, since he was born, I'm just trying to say that we've been talking about it for longer than some people here have been on this earth. We've been talking about it for a long time. Now, so I want to ask you a simple question. How much warmer than, let's say, 50 years ago, because of all this mess you have heard, we use degrees Celsius or centigrade in Nigeria, right? How much warmer than before do you think the globe is now? Just give me a ballpark figure, just any figure. You, you, you just think of one, or anything, I'm like, any figure. How much warmer than before? Than, that is, based on what I've been hearing, how much warmer than before do you think the globe really is for all this noise we've been making? Huh? That's what this noise compelled you to think? Degrees hotter, I mean hotter than before. Oh, you said 40 degrees hotter than before, which means that we're all cooking already. No, I don't blame you for thinking so. It's the amount of noise, okay? Who can give me another one that's milder than this guy's uh, cataclysmic <laughs> prediction? Give me another one. I'm going to say 20. Okay, 20 is quite a lot. 26. 
Okay, he says six degrees. Is it percentage or, okay, are you saying percentage or degrees? Degree. Okay, of course, no, 40 is not really possible because I have 40 more than 30 of, I mean, we're cooking right now. <laughs> you said what? Okay, 20% higher than before. Let's say our average was, let's say before, 25 degrees. We'll now say that to be maybe like just saying 28, thereabout. Okay, 30, okay, 30 something. Good. Let's not, let's, let's end the discussion. But the point I'm going to make is this, alright? You just assume that it's getting much hotter, hotter, hotter before. In the last 150 years, the globe is warmer now by 1.01 degrees. Do you what I say? Now, not my, this is scientific figure. I read it last week. I almost fell down where I was. I said, wait, wait, so all this noise, is that they, after they checked the data, they said the globe is warmer now than 150 years ago by 1.01 degrees. Let's just say by one degree. Let's forget this is zero one. And that the time everything will come to an end, when Jesus Christ will come back and the Megadon will happen, is when it warms to one by 1.5 degrees. I looked, I said, are you people serious? Don't breathe again because of this. Don't eat meat. They've said we shouldn't eat meat again because the cow farts too much. Have you heard that before? The when full animal is carrying fat, they go just mess. That that mess warms the globe because it's rich in methane. I've heard all kinds of things. I had to ask myself, I said, 1.01 degrees? I'm not even arguing about global warming or global cooling or global freezing or global boiling. My issue is that you mean all of this noise? Oh, so I mentioned this to one of my classmates because they are all professionals, they have scientific minds. He said, Bank, you are reading out of context. I said, what is my context? He now gave it to me because I was watching it on TV. Apparently, he was also watching it on TV at the same time because there was a summit that happened somewhere in Europe. So they were reporting, all the international channels were reporting about the same time. So I was watching news. So when I now pointed that to my class group, so he knew what I was watching. He said, you are not listening to it well. I said, please, Oga, tell me how it is. He said, take it in context. I said, what is the context now? That they said most of it has happened in the last 10 years. I said, did you hear yourself? That most of the global warming has happened in the last 10 years, which means things are really getting worse, right? I said, but you talking, when did you start hearing about it? Was it 10 years ago? I hope you get my point. If this 1.01, most of it happened in the last 10 years, that means you've been lying to me for a long time. Because I've been hearing about this for nothing less than 30 years. I said, so what are you telling me? He started laughing. He got my point. He said, no, no, this issue of ozone layer, I said, ozone layer has been patched. He said, who patched it? <laughs> of course, you know, Google is your friend. I went online and I just showed him that, as of this year, they said the big hole in the ozone layer, which was the biggest last year, is now closed. And somebody said, hey, thank you. This is what you are saying. Come and see the effect of global warming. I said, did you say I should come and see calamity or effect of global warming? Because their calamity, yes. The cause, please, don't insult my intelligence. But you know, all of you here, this is my thing you are 40 degrees more than before. I don't blame you. You even forgot that 40 degrees in itself. Is it? It's... You actually forget that. But I want you to understand. You see, if you don't read the Bible, if you don't know God, eh, you are a slave of Satan. Let's just leave it like that. The world will just get up, patch some things, and sell it. And then what you are known is that those who propagate, there's one small girl. What's that girl's name? Fekabi, what's her name? Greta Thunberg or something like that. Yeah, Thunberg. Greta Thunberg. And you no, know, they're always showing her greater. Say, greater say, I said, greater is a bloody teenager that does not understand life. You want me to listen to greater? What does she know? 
I've been studying global warming before her father met her mother. And I should listen to Greta. Better go to school and go and read. You know, but you know, if you don't, if you're not careful, they just pass it on to you. you say, then before you know, in the next 10 years, Greta will be giving lectures all over the world on global warming. What does that tell you? She's somebody's servant. She's not her own servant. Because you started speaking about it when you did not understand it. And everything that happens, they tell me, is because I said, guys. Now, I'm not even here to tell you that whether the warm is, glo- whether the warm is globing or the globe is warming. I don't know. What I just said, I was knocked out to find out that all this noise is to explain 1.01 rising global temperature, most of which occurred in the last few years. More recently than you have been harassing me about it. So I said, somebody is not telling me something here. Let me not go beyond that now, because I don't want anybody listening to this to get stuck on the arguments, all right, on what is causing the global warming or what's not causing the global warming. But what I want you to know is that, like Mike Mudok would say, those who transfer information also transfer prejudice. And like it is said, we don't see with our eyes, we see through our eyes. That is what you see is determining your mind, not with your eyes. So all the information they tell you, it's colored by something. That's why I'm talking about it. So sometimes when I hear some medical information, I take it and lay it upon common sense, and it breaks down. I lay it upon the fact that God created the heavens and the earth, and he has a purpose for man. And I'm, I'm teaching people, I always say that if you believe there is no God, and like Victory said, what is the Big Bang? Nothing, nowhere, no time, no reason. Boom. Everything appeared. So if you believe that, which I know, which means that you are not thinking with your brain, you are thinking with your spinal, not even your spinal cord, you are thinking with your, not even your cord equina, you must be thinking with your toes, something like that. Yes, it's too far away from your brain. So I tell people that, listen, when I put in all of this into the knowledge of the fact that God, of course, what I, when I say that to students, usually when I show the, 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 the intricacies of the way the body functions, and I explain to them that if you still tell me you think this came out of nothing, honestly, you and I are not reasoning on this thing. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I, I lay those things on top of the what, the what I know. So David said, I have more understanding than my teachers. Why? Because your testimonies are my meditation. That is, I meditate on your testimony. So even when my teachers come to teach me mathematics, sometimes I understand mathematics more than them. Do you get my point? I hope you know mathematics is a form of prophetic interpretation. Yeah. That's what mathematics is. It's how to put things that you can see now together and arrive to what will be in the future. The future may be in the next one, one minute of the trajectory of the stone, but at least you can use mathematics to calculate. And of course, any calculation must have a number of variables. And why the world misses a lot of times is because the most important variable, which is the purpose of God, is removed from the calculations. There was one thing Albert Einstein said, which proved to me that the man had to have understood that there must be God. And he said it. I don't want to be right. I want to know if I'm right. One day he said he saw the principle of what they call supersymmetry. For those of you who understand advanced physics and advanced mathematics. And he said that the theory, now listen to what I'm going to say. He said the theory is beautiful. He didn't understand it. He said, but it's so beautiful it has to be true. What did he say? He said, truth is beautiful. He said, so when he saw Kaluza's theory of supersymmetry, he said, no. This is too beautiful to be false. Now, why am I talking about it? For the concept of beauty, therefore, where did they come from? 
Because his reason for believing it at face value was that when he saw it, he said the thing is beautiful. I hope I get my point. That tells you that he must have known whether he admitted it or not, that somebody was creating something. That's the meaning of beauty. Somebody was creating something. Now, I'm not bring out something here. If I have the knowledge of God and the thing does not look beautiful, I'll say it looks purposeless. And if this mathematical progression is this purposeless, maybe it is not true. I don't know whether you're getting what I'm going to say. That is, by having the, knowledge, the meditations of God in my heart, I have more understanding than my teachers. And that's the reason why sometimes medical science will say something, I'll just burst into laughter. Okay, I'll give you one. Some people say, listen, at least I'm qualified to see what I'm about to see. For a long time, they told people that cholesterol is going to kill you. If you eat cholesterol, you will die. If you eat cholesterol, die by fire. Then everything you buy, they'll put on it either low cholesterol or cholesterol-free. Groundnut oil. Groundnut oil. Those of us who understand, say, where will it come from? And they say, cholesterol-free. I testify under God. I did not believe them for one day. Hmm? Say, Pastor, you, I can see this guy's heart. He said, Pastor, you're very stubborn. Yes. <laughs> I had my reasons. Why? Just like Albert Einstein said, the supersymmetry theory was beautiful. I looked at this. I said, this one is not beautiful. This makes no sense. That you cannot tell me. Let, let me not go into details, okay? Because it will take my time. But I just said, this doesn't make sense. I remember one day I was telling one of my classmates. That in the morning, because I wanted to keep healthy and add some weight and all of that, that in the morning, I'll buy it. How many people remember? Have you ever lived in Lagos? No, agege bread. This guy shouted as if the Lord is speaking. <laughs> Let me just give you a small joke. One of my colleagues got married. So she wanted to treat her husband nice. So this bread they used to say in Lagos those days, expensive bread. So every day she'd go and buy expensive bread, bring to the house, and make breakfast for her husband and everything. So the man would eat it and thank her very much for a wonderful meal. Then one day... She didn't buy her expensive bread. But she needed to make breakfast with bread. So she went out and bought agege bread. And dropped on the bread on the table. The man said, ah, thank God. Good bread for once. <laughs> he said, I beg, maybe I say chop and have bread for once. She told me that she almost collapsed. What? He said, the way the man rushed the bread, he said, ah. Long time no bread. <laughs> this man that I've been breaking my head. To, you know, he used to buy, if you remember, people remember Big Treat bread in Lagos. You remember Big Treat? She used to go and buy Big Treat. The man saw a giga bread and said, ha, ah, at last, deliverance. And that was supposed to be the cheap bread. That just by the way. So I, I was telling my class that I did that. I eat a giga bread with I'll, I'll fry two eggs. Hey. <laughs> this guy is, rel- is reliving those, those days. And if, okay, let's talk more about that egg, you know. You don't have time for all this, uh, no, just break it, throw it into the fire. 
Yes. And just carry it inside. Take the bread and shook it in direct. Close it. You know, the kind of thanksgiving you give. Even God knows you are giving thanks. <laughs> Say, Father, I thank. Ah! The angels will be leaking out. <laughs> so I told one of my classes, I was talking to my group, my, sorry, my, my colleagues, that that's what I do well, most mornings, almost every morning, because I was trying to add some weight. She said, ah, you should know better. I said, no better than what? To be doing that. I said, do what? That you're eating two egg yolks every morning. I said, so what is wrong with it? He said, you should be the one telling people not to do it. I said, do what now? Ah, is this, is this adultery we are talking about here or stealing? Did I shoot somebody? Okay, maybe I aborted the chicken. She said that. I shouldn't do that. I'm eating cholesterol. I just told her, my friend, get away. What kind of nonsense cholesterol is that? After 30 years of educating the world like that, about five, six years ago, the family said, please, we are very sorry. It was a mistake. As you remember, when the G started, where's the G? The pastor has been saying it. <laughs> because before it was even declared, I preached, I said, I beg that thing that doesn't make any sense. They finally said, ah, although my own reason is slightly different from the reason they gave, but then the same truth. Well, some of it was my reason also, but they were focusing on the different area. But at the end of the day, they said, sorry, we have found out that direct dietary cholesterol does not have any impact really on your blood cholesterol. You get it from your liver. Your liver produces the excess. Whether you eat to, you don't eat to. Whether it be high or it will not be high. <laughs> I went back in my mind and ate more eggs. I said, did I not say so? So they said, what is the problem? They said, the problem is sugar. The problem is sugar. That sugar is a problem. I know I'm preaching. I'm not supposed to be discussing science here. As soon as I heard that, I said fat lie. That is even a fatter lie than the last one they told. And within five years, I began to read publications that say that cannot be true. I said, listen, why there's some common sense which people... Listen, one of the reasons why common sense can be common to you is simply because you acknowledge God. I don't know whether I get the point. I just said, the good, this earth was not a game of chance. God said, I have given you this. God told man, I gave you this to eat. I said, whatever God gave cannot be inherently poisonous. That's just my logic. Then you now find, the one that make me laugh is Africans. You give an African man a long throat. When I say long, I don't mean long throat. I mean it's long throat because it's lean. You give him eggs, he does not eat cholesterol. I say, who gave you egg before? Bros. How many eggs don't you this week? I remember when school does it, they'll say, our brethren said, can they say you should live a fasted life? What does fasted life mean? You don't eat all the food you want to eat. You just eat small, small, small. Except that when I see Brohagin with his fasted life. So I'm looking at say, bros, if you didn't fast this fasted life, what would you look like? So I better were trying to copy Americans. You see where I'm going? Until I began to understand why the Lord had to tell Ken Hagen to live a fasted life. Because when Americans serve you food, see where I'm looking? What they call a plate. No, their own dimensions are different from our dimensions. What they call a plate. You call it a tray. And I'm not exaggerating. So they bring the tray. You think that, is that my, you expect your food to be inside the tray. That is inside the plate that's on top of the tray. No. Your food is right there on the tray. 
splashed all over the place. I say, okay, that's why they were living a fasted life. Because by living a fasted life, the guy is eating more than me. <laughs> Many times you find people solving a problem they don't have. No, no, just think about it, all right? Imagine that because I'm confused. I don't know why, and I have, you know what they call Kolo mentality? According to Fela Anikula Kokuti. He was your guy, right? So, Fela, this is what they call Kolo mentality. Basically, it's an inferiority complex that Africans have, and they believe that everything the white man does is superior, and whatever the, uh, the, that the, uh, the African man does is inferior. So sometimes we copy white people for nothing. Absolutely nothing. Want to dress up with we'll, we'll tie inside hot weather. We we'll tie it to our neck and knot it very well. And we we'll say we are dressing well. I say, I do it too. I'm not saying it's only you. But you can see you hardly see me do it. It's not often. I, I like the kind of thing that God has led us into now. It's more African. Mm, praise God. So imagine that because of my colonial mentality, and I go on holiday. Now follow what I'm going to say. And I go to the beach with my wife. And I lie down and I start tanning. You know what they call it tan? And I lie down inside the sun. They say, Pastor Van Kim, what are you doing? He said, I want to get a tan. So you lie down and they let the sun be beating you. <laughs> you know, somebody who has understanding will look. I say, but you know, don't do Too often, I don't do There's no <laughs> You know, don't overcook. <laughs> the white man needs to tan. A white man is actually white. They don't call him white man because he's light-skinned. They call him white man because he's white. If you see a real white man that has not seen the sun for a while, the guy is white. Most people that you think that are light-skinned are Asians, you know, Indians, all those things, Koreans. A white man is white. So why does he turn? Why does he lie down? He wants his son to help him generate small melanin, to give him a bronze look. His real color is like ivory. Seriously. Yeah, they're really that light. Skinned. So imagine a black man trying to tan. Imagine chooks like this now. Chooks, if you try to tan, the sun will just go off. Yeah? <laughs> the sun will just switch off. He said, what are you doing? The sun said, the sun shall not smite thee by day. Leave that place. <laughs> So what happens a lot of times that you, I find people, now this one doesn't sound ridiculous, but do you know medically, people are solving problems of white men. We are teaching a Bible now, so let me not say some things. There are drugs people are taking. I say you are solving a problem you don't have and you are not likely to have. And the drug is expensive and the side, side effects are dangerous. Why are you taking it? Because the books are written by white people. Americans write the books. Europeans write the books. Africans don't write many books. I thank God for Indians. They're very aggressive in writing books. But most of their books are nothing but re- rearranged Western knowledge. But we need to bring African knowledge into our own textbooks. And it comes from doing your own research. Know what your problems are. And write them inside books and be firm that this is what our studies have shown. Why did I say that? They said, don't eat sugar. And I look at the African man. Who gave you sugar? Where did you even see sugar? I don't know what I get my point. Every time you want to eat sugar, you buy it. When your woman has said, don't eat sugar, they spice his life with sugar. 
the, if he inhales sugar is in the air, but that's a joke, actually. You know, in, in Nigeria, if you go for a buffet, they will tell, you see the hotels advertise buffet all the time. They say buffet, buffet, buffet. Come and eat. Dinner, maybe five or six thousand, I eat anything you like. Do you know when you enter the place, you know you still buy your drinks? If you want the Coke, you pay. If you want Fanta, it doesn't, it's not covered by that 6000 Let me tell you how Americans do it. Once you pay for the buffet, it's $20. All right? Then the Coke lines the wall. That $20 covers everything apart from alcohol. So you take a glass that's one liter. Open it, fill it with Coke, sit down, and drink it. If it's finished, you go back, take it. You know here, they go, they charge you each time you show i give you a pet bottle, a glass bottle, but that Coke is measured. Bread of affliction and water of privation is measured. <laughs> but for them, it's not measured. It's just there. It's just there. It's just there. And relative to the other costs, they are ridiculously cheap. Even when you have to buy it. The only time I've stayed a length of time, I just like stayed for weeks in the U.S. when I went many years ago for a course. When I was leaving, the last thing I was doing when I was emptying the house was to be pouring my drinks into the, into the sink. Throwing food away. Yeah. I said, it's the last thing I did. My gallon of milk down the sink. That's just a life. So when they write books for you on diet, please don't buy it. You know why? They don't have your problem. And you don't have their problem. You see, Nigerians have just gone, Africans, colonial mentality. You'll be solving problems you don't have. They say, don't eat sugar. I say, do you have sugar? Why are you pretending? Because you need to have sugar. It's like saying, say, Pastor Bank, how are you going? Are you going out in your Lexus? I say, no, I'm not going to my Lexus. Say, okay, will you use the Bentley? No, I don't want to use my Bentley. You know, I'm already telling you I have Bentley, I have Lexus. I know so. Why am I lying to you? When an African no sugar, you are lying. You don't have. The woman doesn't understand. Those things are, they are so cheap. So you have people that can tell you they have not drunk water in a year. So they're not start company. Don't drink this, don't drink that, don't drink this, don't drink that. And you now say African man way. The only time they see cook, now they go party. When you want to eat, if I ask you what to eat this morning, now you will tell me carbohydrate and a bit of protein. So it's always bread and egg, yam and stew, this and fish. Moi, moi, you know, that's it. But in Bomazon, it's the other way around. What do you eat this morning is bacon with mashed potatoes. It's, um, it's steak with this. The meat is a primary thing. So that's why they talk the way. The diet is very different. Oh, why am I speaking so much about this this afternoon? Apostle, I've not even gone to my message for today. I'm going to explain something. So once I, when they come with some things, I just say, God, human beings have started again. I have more understanding than my teachers. You know why? Their testimonies are my meditation. So what I do is simply I give the Lord thanks, and it opens my eyes to have understanding. Just five years after they say sugar is what is killing you, I began to read publications that say, no, maybe it's not true. And they will now start telling us things we already knew from the beginning, which is what? Moderation is key. Have you never read too much of everything is bad? I thought we learned that one from, from the time we were children. Why do I need scientific studies to tell me now? I'm explaining a particular principle here. That because of meditation, I have more understanding than my teachers. Meditation of the word of God, boosting our faith, 
is what helps us navigate this life. You can't, look, believers, you know, I, I went to all of that. I don't know why I went to that. I just remembered that the world is full of lies. Though. And let me be honest with you, okay? Or let me feel sorry for people. A lot of people are telling the lies, don't know where the lie began from. They just got a PhD in the lie. So they now speak with authority. So we want to talk, today we want to talk about the effect of, um, of uh, eating green tea with uh, cocoa yam and putting ginger on it. Oh, that's another set of lies. I hope you know that. They say coronavirus is coming. Take turmeric with, what is it again? With ginger and garlic. I had a classmate who was supposed to be a specialist living in the UK. You know when death comes, people, they believe all kinds of things. <laughs> when you finish telling us the, the recipe, now we tell them and say, hmm, yalago. <laughs> mamalawo. <laughs> See, you're no longer a doctor. You're not mamalawo. Yalago. <laughs> no, they call agbo. Agbo. Herbs. I say, my dear sister, you're supposed to be a specialist in the UK. Which I will become, become traditionalist like this. Nobody won't die. You could say, ah, anytime I get symptoms, I cook. I say, I hope you put spear grass inside. <laughs> just by the way, people believe. Can I just quickly drop something? Hey, please, I want to sit on my message. They have not been able to start. All of you stay here till I finish preaching today. All of you are laughing now. After some time, you say, the message done a long message has not yet begun. I want you to know it. So when I start it, you will endure till the end. He that endures to the end shall be saved. Thank you. The Lord is good. Let me just beg you, please. Stop looking for health in all kinds of places. What do I mean? They bring herbs that this one prolongs life, you buy it. It's not the will of God. That this would have walk around town with a funny, funny root and seeds inside a bottle. They wear a Yoruba cap. Should I tell you why they wear the Yoruba cap? It's to deceive you. No, it's to deceive you. Because human beings, we just believe because you came from far. It must be genuine. But if the man came from Ogu, you will not buy. If he came from Musuka, you won't buy. One he tells that he's from, uh, he will not tell you he's from Iragbiji, somewhere where Odudua's, you know, cousin was staying. When he arrived, he will tell you one long story and wear that cap and put two tribal marks. Instantly, he'll be buying his concussion. That is where they wear that cap. Trust me. The cap has nothing to do with fashion. It is to deceive the average Igbo man on the streets that this is from far away from his village. Because people like things that are far. You see how they do it in America too. When you want to say to Americans, they say it came from India. When you want to say to Indians, they say it came from America. Of course, the one that everybody now buys these days is Chinese. Jingseng, Rutubaga. They will sell you rhinoceros horn, all kinds of things. And people will be buying and eating poison. I read the article of one man in the, in the Reader's Digest or BBC News. How his liver and his kidneys were destroyed because he wanted to become healthier. He began to take herbs that he doesn't know where to come. Oh, not only in Nigeria, it's all over the world. Though. This is online. Everybody's buying herbs. There's one, there's one lie they added recently. That was a fat lie. They will tell you it's a phytostem cell. Have you seen of that one? Phyto stem cell. And I say, are you a plant? Why would the stem cell of plants help you? But of course, once they put the word stem cell, 
who believes advancement in technology. Listen, it's advancement in rendering you poorer than before. Say, Pastor Bauke, preach your message. This is my message. Come on, let me talk, Joe. It's part of it to help people. Be pursuing health in all kinds of bottles. You want to be healthy? I'll tell you the key to health. When you wake up in the morning, worship God. Worship God. Give thanks. Lay your burdens down before him. If anywhere is paining you, tell him, Lord, put your hand here. This is where the pain is. Ask him to show you mercy. Ask him to effect the work of Jesus on the cross in your life. That is the key to health. Why should you be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine of healthcare? They come and say, Don't, have you heard that one before? There was something they, they were selling alkaline water. And the whole town started buying. I said, people are foolish. People are really indeed foolish. And they'll say this one, if you could, if you, they were selling filters. That if you use this filter to filter your water, it will become alkaline water. What are you? Are you an acid? You want to be neutralized. You don't know that the good Lord has put a detailed acid-based balancing system in your body. Between your lungs and your kidneys and your blood, they, if you like, once you don't burn yourself in drinking the acid, neutralize everything and rearrange it. You say, I can't. Do you know, you know what is to shock me? People will be buying. There was a time when people were selling titanium pots. You not seen that one? They say if you cook with titanium pots, no go die. They didn't say it like that. They, they will bring, you know, oh God, please, I'm begging you. You know, you look at human beings and they say, why are human beings this foolish? You know what God said? You know why they are this foolish? They are looking for life outside me. That's why. That's what hands them over to foolishness. And then when they have excess money, they don't know how to give. They have, God said, I will collect my money one way or the other. And a set of pots will be one millionaire. Oh no, it's when you are eating and you are full that you buy such nonsense. People are looking for help in all kinds. And God, God, you know you have been very good to me. If I ever, if I, you know, one of the reasons why I know what I know is that if I try it, God will punish me. As I follow all this nonsense, say, eh, you do cook in titanium pots. Let me tell you what I do. You want to follow me? Tell you. I eat what is said before me without asking questions. It's in the Bible like that. I give the Lord thanks. Father, I will thank you for it has pleased thee to put our food in clay pot and aluminum pot. Between this clay and aluminum pot, we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. If Niger Delta man cooks banga for you, the real one is in clay pot. The clay gives you the naturalness of the soil. The soil where they made Adam. That is my own key to life. I just give the Lord thanks. That's my key to life. Thanksgiving. I stop pursuing health. Okay, and I know, Apostle, and I know why I'm preaching like this. I didn't know before. I just suddenly realized it. Some people came here today who have been pursuing health in all the wrong places. And the Lord wants to help them. Before they eat garden egg, they will examine it. And ask, was it organically grown or inorganically grown? As if your grandfather knows the difference. 
Meanwhile, he was happy enjoying his garden egg. My friend said he went to America. He said, Banky, my sister's children were malnourished in America. I said, how does that happen? He said, because she said they can only eat organic. So she enters shop, she won't buy egg. She has to go to a particular organic market where egg is two or three times the normal price. And by the time you are paying three times for the egg, you have to eat it three times less. He said to me, he said, Banky, can you believe that my sister's children were malnourished in the United States of America? Why? She wants to eat organic. Oh, about you that brought your trouble here. I think I helped you enough for today. Let me preach the other word of God we have for today. So sometimes people will say, the, 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 the word lies to us. And some people are telling the lies, don't even know they are lying. Because they, they went to school and studied lies, so to them it's true. So they are called deceived. The only way you can be safe in this life is to read the scriptures and to pray and to fear God. That's the only way you can be safe. And don't love your life even unto death. Just make sure that the time you have on this earth, you are living for divine purpose. The person will say, why did all those things thrive? Because in Western world, they are prosper so much that they don't want to die. That when people are prosper so much, they need health to enjoy the life for as long as possible. But realize that your life is hid with Christ in God. Your citizenship is in heaven. You are just on the earth for a temporary period. And what you do with that is just the purpose of God. Make sure you are pleasing God. That's what you need. In the world, when they tell their lies, don't let them deceive you. I don't know. I know the Lord wanted to help some people. I don't know. Because I really got off track there. Away from my main message. Like, like I warned you, I will finish the message today. So fasten your seatbelt. Because we're about to take off. The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. So, let me go back to the beginning so I can connect properly. So, we walk by faith. We, are, we assess our faith periodically to be sure our faith is still intact. If our faith is intact, it kills poison in food. I read the last week about a family somewhere in Sokoto State, 24 people in a family that all died because somebody cooked with fertilizer, I think it was salt. I don't know what I read about it. Because the first thing is that you want to call your family and say, please, oh, before you put salt in this food, make sure it's not fertilizer. But something dropped in me. So when I was telling my family about it, I added one scripture. Nothing shall by any means hurt you. I need to add that. Because as a matter of fact, many people listening to me today, and some of you present here, you have eaten enough things to kill you. Yes, maybe it's me. But God said it's not time to die. So he didn't find out. So let's not get romantic about it. I will not even tell you. I don't want your testimony. Because we want to come and testify. Praise God. I ate poison. I didn't die. Because it is good, but not now. So you ate poison. As you were swallowing it, one thing just stuck your hand inside your throat, collected that one, removed the poison, threw it away, and your food entered and digested, and you stretched and you slept. There have been nights that you were unconscious. You thought you were sleeping. You were actually dying. And the Lord said, not now. And you woke up again in the morning. That's why you should give God thanks all the time. That's why you should. I'm saying thanksgiving. With, you see, there's a reason why Jesus taught us about thanksgiving. 
It will even remove poison from food. I know enough, I see it around. I mean, that they were still told about three children in one family, somewhere not too far away from Enugu here. They all died because the father cooked preserved corn for them, preserved with deadly pesticide. And three children in one family died for eating a meal. And this is just about a few weeks ago. Yeah, this things happen. But don't be scared. Let not your heart be troubled. The Lord will deliver you. Amen. By faith, just give thanks for your food. By faith, every poison that is inside will become inactivated. Amen. I'm praying for you that you will not die by poisoning. Amen. Accidental poisoning will not kill you. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. God will deliver you from all evil. Amen. He will watch over your soul. Amen. Yes. And you eat. Nothing evil shall come upon you. Amen. That's what faith does. Faith even purifies your food, purifies your water. Faith makes your money last longer than it should have lasted. You buy uh, EDC units and you say, ah, I don't have money now. You buy small. That's it. It will last and last and last. <laughs> One man told us his story. Beautiful story. I believe it will be totally true. I knew, I knew the man. He said those days, they had a lot of People in their house, they had this bag of rice, and they were cooking, and they were cooking and eating, and the bag of rice lasted and lasted and lasted and lasted, and they were cooking, and they were eating. The bag of rice lasted and lasted. So one day the wife said, "This rice won't you finish that day? It finished." But they had eaten multiplied food. The wife just used mouth to spoil this thing. But that was how much God blessed them. It's the same man who told the story of water. I told the story before. He went to Ibadan. He arrived with his wife and his little baby. And the mother said, ah, thank God you have come. That will be using your car to fetch water. He said, lie, lie. He came out during the night. And, be, and so he told his mother before they went to sleep, say, this night, water will come. The water will flow in this house this night. And the mother said to him, you don't know the part of Ibadan we live in, have you? Even if they decide to start pumping water in the city, this is the last place they get to. Said to the mother, don't worry. So they all went to sleep, and he stayed awake, and he began to pray. And he prayed until he heard the taps whistling. And then water flowed for about for a few minutes and stopped. So he went out into the compound from inside the house, outside, he said, as if to catch the water for running away. He continued to pray until water began to flow. And the flow of water was steady. Then he woke them up and said, come and fetch water. By that time, it was like 11, 11.30. He went to sleep. When he woke up in the morning, of course, they had filled everywhere with water. Of course, those days before the days of plastic tanks, we used to use aluminum tanks. So they had this big aluminum tank and they filled it with water. So they opened it and they looked at it. You know, he, told, he opened the check that it was full. So he told them to see. They looked at it. He told them to lock it. He used to have a lid. You could lock. Locked it. He said, as long as I stay here, that water won't go down. And they lived in that house for about a week or so. It was his, I mean, his parents' house. Came with his wife and his baby to visit the family. Then the day he was leaving, after he had packed, put everything inside his car. So they yeah, opened the tank. They opened it. The water was still full. Closed and drove away. They had been using the water for the week. 
God does think so. God does think so. I want you to know. Listen, let me say, you know what the only thing Jesus said? He said the problem is when the Son of Man comes, we live fine faith. That's the problem. Medical knowledge, that's why I went to do that. You know, that, you know, that's went all that tangent. They undermine faith in people. People can't even believe God for healing again. Everything has an explanation. When they, say, when they tell you your genes are not good, you're going to remove your breast. Yeah, that's what um, Angelina Julie did. Removed her two ovaries. It's called castration. Castrated herself. She doesn't want to die of cancer. You don't blame her. That's the only knowledge she has. That is the only knowledge she has. And we're so exalted medical knowledge. We do everything they say. We don't do what God is saying. Some people say they are believing God. They are not doing anything. They are not feeling, because believing God is not just sit down and say, anything that will happen, let it happen. No. What is believing God? Is say, God, the word that you have spoken, it must come to pass in my life. And every day you take that word and feel you are around, you know, around you with it. Like my son was telling us just now, when I asked him, why do we read our scriptures? One of the things he gave us is what? To have words to use in prayer. Synthesize your, your own medicine. Everybody should be a pharmacist in this house. Spiritual pharmacist. If you hear of calamity, people traveling on the road, they have accident, they get kidnapped, they die. This one, go and find scriptures that have anything to do with that. And every morning, get the whole family to read it out loud. And say, thou, thou, O Lord, has promised according to this. Let your word be fulfilled in our lives in the name of Jesus. You have said, you will be with us in our going out and in our coming in. You have said, no evil will befall us and no plague will come near our dwelling place. It's simple. You declare those words and say, Lord, do it in Jesus' name. You say, hey, what do I now do? Nothing. Faith will enter your heart and make you do something. I hope you're getting my point. It's not what are now the steps of faith. No. Faith will now enter your heart. The Spirit will enter into you and set you on your feet. But the world fills us with so much knowledge that undermines the knowledge of God. I was listening to Pastor Chris Okudi the other day. I was impressed. In fact, there's something I've been saying, you know. Ha! I said, this man just put it so well. He said, this man says something and they came to pass. He said, it's called sorcery. He said, no, he said it's called divination. He said, in divination, you see things. He said, what makes it divination? Once you break the word of God in that process, even though you see into the future, and then it comes to pass, he said it's still divination. And the prince said, if you are one that believes that everyone doing signs and wonders is from God, he said, you're a candidate for the Antichrist because he will do such signs and wonders that the world has never seen before. And you will believe. Oh, the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. What am I trying to say? We'll take the scriptures. You synthesize what God is saying. And declare it around you every day. That's what will provoke you to actions. What undermines the power of God in our lives is faith. That's why it's so important that regularly we walk on our faith. Why should we give more attention to what doctors that change their mind? Uh, what brother is who sent me some, 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 some years ago. I, I lost the stuff. And he sh- showed me a scientific um, 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 publication that showed that doctors reverse 50% of the things that they say to you almost every, is it 15 or 20 years? Oh, yes. You know the antidepressants? How many people know the antidepressants? Drugs that you take when you are depressed so that you don't be depressed. The day I saw the efficacy, I was embarrassed. Extremely useless drugs. 
when I saw the efficacy, I said, who licensed these drugs? I said, who on God's earth licensed this nonsense? You will find that it has the slimmest in functionality when it comes to, you know, effectiveness. You see, sorry, the slimmest in the yardstick of measuring significance. I say, who licensed this? They have not yet bothered to do investigation on what happens when you pray. Prayer is a far more effective antidepressant. Please don't waste your money. When I saw the statistics, I called one of my colleagues. I said, what is going on here? Who licensed this nonsense? And Americans spent billions of dollars on it every year. And then you want to follow people like that without studying scriptures? Ha! Please, let me tell you the truth. You are listening to me. You've been around to the present. This is all you need to do. Get Psalm 23. Hmm? Just Psalm 23. Then go to maybe John chapter 17. Pick a few words of the Lord Jesus Christ. Join the two together. And read it three times a day. For one month. And then check your mood. What does the world do? Undermine our faith. Please, fight for your faith. Fight for what? Listen, with your faith riding high, you will see angels. Physically, you will see angels defending you. I'm telling you the truth. They won't even hide from you again. Most of them, they want to help us, they hide. So if we scare him now, we can't help him. <laughs> you don't know it's true? When angels scare you, they can't help you. When God wants to help you, he tries not to scare you. Say, no, 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 no. Do, do not be afraid. It is I. Because <laughs> if fear comes in, in the front of, that is, in the very, you know, let's speak Nigerian English, in the very presence and the very before of the Lord Jesus, you will think. Some of the first things he does, hey, wait, 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 calm down. It is I. Now speaks a word. Do not be afraid. It's one reason why angels hide to help us. Because if they just land from the sky, gang, gang, ah, kill he said, relax now. I wanted to just help you. So if you have announced yourself from a distance now, it's me. I'm about to come out from behind the tree. My name is Gabriel. I have a message for you. No. Look, somebody listening to me today, you will see the deliverance of God. Amen. There's a way God will deliver you. Eh? You will see trouble. Before you panic, he will make you sleep. When you just see trouble, you say, ah, we wanted to shout. You just yawn oh, and sleep off. And you wake up and see destruction that laid waste at noonday. And none came near you. Look, like a mighty warrior, God will arise on your behalf. Amen. He will deliver you from all troubles. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. The Lord will deliver you from all troubles. Amen. He will watch over your soul. Amen. He will keep your going out and your coming in. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. It's important. Faith. Jesus said our faith must not go down. What am I preaching? Please. Guard it. Keep it. Protect it. Don't lose it. Guard it. Keep it. Protect it. Don't lose it. Let me add to it again. Feed it. Feed it. What I wanted to preach today, which is why I came here to preach, I have realized I'm not allowed to preach it. Don't worry. You, you will go home soon. You know, I said I will start preaching my message. Holy Spirit said, Anki, that one is your message. This is my own. And you're about to finish it. So you ask, ah, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not happy that you're going. I wanted to keep you here till. What can we do now? We have to obey the Lord. 
You know, if you speak longer than the Lord says you should speak, you'll spoil everything. <laughs> I seriously am itching to preach that message I came with. But the Lord said, I no go agree. And no matter how familiar you are with the Lord, don't jokingly disobey him. That just by the way. Some people say, ah, no, no. <laughs> that one story once. One, the, some people were talking. He said, that sister, she has a good fellowship with the Holy Spirit. I said, hey. Yeah. He said, Holy Spirit. He said, one day she told the Holy Spirit, I can't tell him to do that kind of thing. I can't talk. <laughs> I said, you call that fellowship or disrespect? He said, we are so close, me and the Holy Spirit. He told me to do something. I told him I cannot. What kind of thing is that? I said, well, lag Banley, you are very stupid. <laughs> there are no elders in your house. <laughs> can you tell your father, I can't tell him to do that kind of thing. I can't do. Akilu, the day you try it. Big, you don't even go near it. The Lord is good. So, most importantly, let me finish with this. All right, no, seriously. I'll, I'll leave what I wanted to say before. I believe I've said what I'm supposed to say today, even though we end up seeing a lot of funny, funny things. But, I mean, like, things that are not core scripture, just general knowledge and something that's health-related. But I think people needed to understand that. But, like I was talking about your faith. Keep it, guard it, don't lose it. I'm very, or most importantly, feed it. What did I say? Feed it. Feed your faith. Feed your faith. Please, feed your faith. Don't let it grow spontaneously. Let it grow deliberately. What are you spontaneously? When I see, when I see church, I go go now. And then sometimes, you know, little, little things creep into your life, and it's good. It's like saying, it's only when I'm hungry, I pick a snack. It doesn't work like that. You must be deliberate. For example, tell yourself, concerning finances, I'm going to increase my faith. Concerning health, I'm going to increase my faith. Concerning marriage, I am going to increase my faith. Because wherever the faith is low, the manifestation is also low. I hope you get my point. How do you increase your faith? It is simple. There's no, there are two ways. Two simple ways. One, pray. Two, feed the faith with words. That's all. Say to the Lord, Lord, I want to increase my faith in this area. Lord, I have not come to ask you for anything. I'm not saying give me food, give me raiment. No. Lord, increase my faith. Pour into me the spirit of faith. Give me faith by the spirit. Paul talked about having the spirit of faith. Nothing wrong with asking the Lord for it. But then when God has given you the spirit of faith, it's a spirit. Then faith itself now has to be built. How is it built? One. Study the scriptures. Take your Bible and read. Read Bible stories. When you hear that God worked wonders by the hands of Elijah against the prophets of Baal on the time of Ahab and Jezebel on Mount Carmel, read the story again and know that it's not fairy tale. It really happened. The man literally poured water upon the sacrifice that he had there. He wanted everybody to know that there's no trick here because those prophets of Baal, they had spiritual power, they did. But they also had spiritual tricks. <laughs> Are you getting my point? They had simple tricks. It wasn't all spiritual power. Just like a big guy in Lagos. Remember a big guy in Lagos? He a man of God. He used to annoy me. You know, he just used to annoy, not him, he's the people. 
You see, how, how can adults be this gullible? I remember one day they said he hid a blind boy. Let me tell you what was wrong with the blind boy. Why I just knew this is a lie. The things you just see is a lie. The boy was standing like this. All this pla- they said he was blind. His eyes were closed. Now, the fact that your eyes are closed, the fact that you are blind does not mean you should close your eyes. Half of the blind people, their eyes are open. They are just not seen. The eyes were closed. Then, pause. Everything was all over this place. That was how I just knew it was a lie. I didn't, I didn't know anything more than that. Have you seen blind people in your life? How many, how many of them had dirty eyes? They know they get dirty eyes. Blindness does not remove your sense. Does not remove the sense of your friends. Does not remove the sense of your family members. Blind people, they wash face. So once the guy came to face, I said, this is makeup. Once he came to, when I saw it, I said, this is makeup. And I said, man of God wants to pray. Man of God now came like this. Abracadabra. <laughs> and then the boy said, ha! Oh, oh, thank God I can see. 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 Thank God. I said, my wife, anyone who believes is a thorough buffoon. To be a buffoon to believe that. Apostle, if you were blind, now you can see. The first thing you'll be collecting is microphone. Before my eyes, this guy, the first thing he collected was a microphone. And then he began to walk around the church and say, oh, praise God, I can see. Oh, praise God. Now, with this tone, this flat, affectionless, emotionless tone, that was how he was speaking that day. He said, oh, praise God, I can see. I thank the man of God. Oh, praise God, I can see. I said, they couldn't even get an actor. You got this Lagos boy. You gave him 200 naira, obviously, and nagege bread. With two eggs. <laughs> that day I looked, I said, my God. And adults believe this. I knew God had given people over to deception. Honestly. The reprint said, one of the worst things God can do to you in life is to give you over to deception. That day I said, people have been given over to deception. Yes, the man had his shamanic and occultic powers, but most of what he did were tricks. They were pure acting, scripted plays. The woman will come, say, yeah, demon possessed. Yeah, confess, confess. Yes, I'm from the bottom of the Atlantic. Nonsense. Go back to the bottom of the Atlantic. <laughs> no, you just get angry. Adults will believe in it. That day I was so angry. How on earth will adults believe this nonsense? Back to our message. Let's not leave it. To prevent any allegations of that was why Elijah poured water on the sacrifice. That's why. That's why he says, soak it. They poured water. I said, no, 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 no. That's not enough. Pour more water. Do you know why? Because the prophets of Baal used to do it. They used to have traps under that used to bring water, uh, bring fire. People will hide, they, they will put sacrifices on top of something that dug below. You will know the other holes through which they have put their own inflammables those days. Somebody will light a fire under. Elijah said, before you think that is what is going on. Professor Baal. First, they had spiritual power. It did not work. So let's rule out what? That was why he chose the place of the offering. One of the reasons. 
Then he poured water, soaked the sacrifice with water. So that if you see fire, not a human hand lighted it. And you know what? Fire actually came from heaven. Burnt the sacrifice. Because they licked all the water, including the one that was in the troughs around. And even the stones. And people have found the the place of that sacrifice and the stones that the, water, the fire melted today. It's not a lie. When you hear that God, through the hands of Moses, parted the Red Sea, it's not a lie. Scientists have tried to say all kinds of things. They say it's not the Red Sea, it's the Red Sea. It normally has a low tide and high tide. And at low tide, they crossed over. Let us agree for a moment. The fact that the low tide came when they needed to cross, all glory to God. Then the Red Sea drowned the whole army. They said it was high tide. Father, we give you praise that the high tide came when you wanted to drown all your enemies. Hey, what, do, is, that not, is, is that not miraculous enough? Accurate timing is a miracle. Accurate timing is a miracle. Accurate timing is what? A miracle. Do you know the truth? God actually, he actually sent plagues into Egypt. And he made sure he did not touch his people. Read those stories. That's the point I'm making. You know the truth? Jesus actually used to do miracles in Judea those days. He actually healed the blind. He actually raised the dead. All the miracles, you read them again. I know the truth. He's doing them till today. We take some of the next things you feed yourself with. Feed yourself with testimonies. I forbid you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, your Lord and mine, to be forwarding things that undermine people's faith. A car had an accident and five people died. When did you become Calamity News Network? Must you be the one to send it? Why don't you send stories around in which a car had an accident and somebody was delivered supernaturally? That's the kind of story you should be sharing. And that's the kind of stories you should be paying attention to. That's the point I'm making. Feed your faith. Get a book like Adventures in God. John Graham Lake. Read it. Read it again and again and again. Read stories compiled by people like Gordon Lindsay on miracles that God did through the hands of some mighty men those days. Read them. You hear me quote stories of people that I've seen, I've, um, I've reheard myself or read their books here and there. Those stories are real. Read them every day and rehearse them. I hope you're getting my point. How do you feed your faith? Please, I can't say this enough. Spend your time. Don't let your faith just be randomly, you know, increasing. Say, this month, I have an agenda to feed my faith in the area of finances. I have my, an agenda to feed my faith in the area of working in God's plan for my life. Let me give an example now. You know, sometimes people say that, um, should I stay in Nigeria or go abroad? Should I stay in Enugu or move to Abakliki? <laughs> One young woman, in case you are here today, God bless you. I don't know you, but my wife gave me the testimony of your life. You know what happened to her? 
<laughs> My wife said she saw this lady in the, office, in, in the market. The lady saw her and said, My, it looks like I've met you somewhere before. My wife looked at her and said, I don't recollect the face. After a while, she said, the lady was just looking. Young woman. Came to her and said, Hey, are you Mrs. Banky? So my wife said, yes. Ah, she shouted. Yes, you are the one. Now, that's not the story. The story is that she started talking to herself. Oh, is this how it works? Is this how it works? And I've been deceiving myself all this while. And I've been wasting my own time all this while. I've left Enugu. I've gone to Lagos. I've gone to this place trying to succeed. He said, is this how it works? Oh, she said, she said just a few days before. She asked God that, please, there are people I've made promises to who I have lost contact with. Please bring them my way again. And she reminded my wife of when they first met and what she promised to do for her. It was quite a while ago she had forgotten. That is even forgotten the person. So when she saw my wife, she said, you are Mrs. Man. She said, yes. She said, my wife, you're looking at her. She said, the girl said, ha, is this how it works? That is, the prayer I prayed a few days ago. God has answered. That is, he ran into her in the market. Somebody she could hardly even remember. And ran into her in the market. My wife just dashed the market to go and get something. Look, I like stories like that to let you know that God actually answers prayers. Why I remember that the young woman said that I have gone here, I have gone there, I have gone there. Instead of me to settle down and just pray to God. That look at this one I just did a few days ago. And the Lord is already answering it like this. Sometimes you need to make a decision. That's why I told her story. Should I go here? Should I go there? Should I do this? Can I quickly say something? Please, those of you who preach the opposite, don't be angry with me. I just understand slightly differently. You don't need to practice how to hear the voice of God. I'm sorry. I don't mean any... I don't mean to be controversial. I'm not trying to oppose people. But it's my experience. is not taught in the scriptures. Check it. Know where the Bible says. Go and practice how to hear God. It's not necessary. Most of the time, you hear yourself. You say God speaks to you through your spirit. You also speak to yourself through your spirit. Satan speaks to you through your spirit. Oh, he does. He does. It is what you are tuned to hear that matters. It's not who is talking. I hope you got what I said. It's what you are tuned to hear. It's not the method. God can speak through your audible ear. He can speak to the environment. He can speak to the mouth of your friend. He can speak to your spirit. See what am I talking about? When it's time to make decisions... This is how you boost your faith to be able to make the right decisions. Most of the decisions you make in life, nobody will tell you anything. It will be your decision. As much as God wants us to do some things, he wants us to own the decision. I don't know whether I get my point. Now let me ask you a simple question so that you get my point. Who decided to come and die for your sin? Answer. No, there's no cash to it. Who decided? Jesus. Jesus. Who laid down his will? Who chose to go to the cross? Jesus. Did he ever blame the father? But let me ask you a question. Whose will was he doing? Uh-huh. The will of the father. He owned all the decisions. He owned He said, I'm the one. I laid down my life by myself. No one took it from me. The father did not take it from me. What am I going to say? God wants you to own the decisions. Even when he leads you into it, it's your decision, not his own. I, I pray you get that point. He has a will, quite all right. 
But he wants that decision concerning his will to be your decision. He doesn't want the story of the woman thou givest me as if it was my idea. Don't blame me. Why not the one that should marry her? Let's see. Let's listen, listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me. No matter how nonsense the woman or the man that God told you to marry is, once you marry him or her, he or she is your problem. He or she is your decision. You won't go and say, God, you know the truth. That day I was praying, you were the one that said I should go. That is forbidding. Listen. That's actually an insult to the Lord. You know what you're telling him? You can see you don't know what you're doing. I will not have disobeyed you. Is the woman that gave When I was hanging out with the giraffe, did I disobey you? When only the camels and the monkeys were my contemporaries here, did I disobey you? The woman thou givest me. That was an insult to the Lord. Please, I'm going somewhere with this. No matter how God said that decision is, once you make the decision, the Lord wants to own it. Even though it's his will, it is actually your decision. You will say to the Lord, we have done this, bless it. I don't know whether you are getting my point. Now, why did I say that? So even when it comes to making decisions, please, people of God, listen. Boost your faith so as to be able to make the right decisions. How do you do it? Again, it is simple. I have to make a critical decision between, maybe somebody comes to me and say, you have to relocate from Enugu, take this job, it's going to be in Abakaliki, or it's going to be in Abuja, or it's going to be in Kaduna, whatever it is. And they say, you have to decide now, now, now. Tell them no. The answer is no. I ain't deciding now. When you say that, you ask, okay, how long do you need? Now, it's always like that. Say, give me one month. There's one month in which you say, God, what's your will? What's your will? What's your will? No, that's not what you need to do. It's a one month in which you'll be boosting your faith to be able to do whatever God wants you to do. What am I going to say? For example, you get up in the morning and start declaring scriptures. Like before there was any one of them. All the days of my life, they were written in your books. I desire to do your will, oh my God. Thy law is within my heart. That can be scripture. A quote you will take ten times in one day. And you say, Lord, confirm that word in my life in the name of Jesus Christ. On that scripture, you say, Lo, I come. In the volume of the books is written of me. I hope I get my point. You give that one to it also. Before he formed me in my mother's womb, he knew me. And he consecrated me for a particular purpose. You keep on giving these scriptures. I am not my own. I belong to him alone. He died for all. So that those who live will no longer live for themselves. But they live for the one who died and rose again on their behalf. Lord, I live for you alone. Not from the east. Not from the west. And definitely not from the south comes exaltation. But God is judge. He lifts up one. He brings down one and he lifts up another. You quote that psalm also. And say, Lord, I know prosperity is not in this place. It's not in this place. It's not my background. A blessing, increase is from you. Can you see what we are doing? You are doing what? You are boosting your faith. Say, Lord, wherever I go in this life, you have said, Lo, I am with you 
always. I will not be afraid. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for the Lord is with me. The Lord my God does go ahead of me to prepare a good place for me. He knows the thoughts he has towards me, and I know it too. They are thoughts of good and not of evil, to give me a future and a hope. And I'm reciting these scriptures. My life is not mine, my life is in his hands. I've not asked him where I'm going yet to. Do you know why? When you say, Lord, where do I want me to, when do you want me to go? He doesn't always answer because he cannot always answer. Why? Because you can't hear it. Many times what he wants you to do, you can't hear. It is too wrong to your heart. Your spirit is rejecting the truth. Who will not be praying? God, you want to do? God say, I can't tell you. You think it's everything you ask, he can't say? He said, there are many things I want to tell you. You can't bear them now. There are things God wants to tell you. You can't bear. So that's why you spend the first period not trying to tell him talk. He said, talking is not my problem. In fact, I have spoken. The word has gone forth is whether you can receive it. That's the issue. So when you say, give me time, you're not trying to get time so that God can speak. You are building your faith so that you can hear. Believe me. It may take, I doubt that it will take a month. You pray the way I've said now. Sometime by the second day. In fact, there have been instances that by the first minute of praying like that, what you are supposed to do becomes clear to you. For some, it can be the second week. After praying consistently, God will now reveal his will different ways. People can now call, call, call and say, hey, sorry, we just realized we cannot wait for you to take a month to make up your mind so we have employed somebody else. No, some people now say, to you, you see, that's the problem. You are too spiritual. No! God just answered your prayer. They say, we, we, we couldn't wait anymore. Inability to wait is a sign that it's not God. Believe it. Why? Because we have said it. From there, God commands the blessings. Life everlasting. Blessings are what? Commanded. Each blessing that goes forth has a name on it. That one is not your own, so it has gone off. Sometimes, you have a dream. An angel comes to you, or a friend comes to you in the dream. Say, so those men that are out there, don't be afraid to go with them. Just like Paul, uh, Peter had in that trance. So you wake up, ah, what was that? Nothing. Then you go out the next day. You get to your office or somewhere. Some people want to see you. And instant they say, oh, these are the people sent by Cornelius. And they sit down and say, we have come from Makodi. We have come from Abuja. My boss said, whether you'll be interested in this particular appointment that we informed you about at that time. Remember that night you just prayed. Those men, don't be afraid to go there. Just say, okay, all right, just give me a minute, I'll give you an answer. All right, can I see you guys later? But you are typing your acceptance as soon as you step out. Why? The Lord has given you his will. Now you think that, listen to me, when God has made, when your heart has been built up to be able to receive what God is giving to you, it starts seeming like common sense. It's not be, why didn't I do this before? No, it's because faith has now been built up. Please, anything that stands like an obstruction between you and decision-making, make sure, or how do I say this? Okay, make sure that thing is subjected to the word of God through prayer. Okay, let me give this as an example. Okay, I want to give this as an example. 
Please try and follow me well. What did I say? Okay, everybody sit properly. Sit up. Because I don't want to sit. You may have to help people. Let us assume that a woman, her genotype, she's AS. A man comes to her. He wants to marry her. He's AS. Most of us understand what that means, right? What is the reflex decision? No, don't answer me. I'm going to do all the answering. What is the reflex decision for an average person? No. No. Don't try to. Now, did I say you should do it? No. But that answer, listen to me, is ungodly. It's the wrong answer. What's the answer of a Christian? Let me pray about it. Have you prayed about it? I think you should pray about it. You know what I'm saying so? You know the God we serve, I hope you know he's not dead. I hope you know he's alive. I, you know, the other day I realized something, and there's nothing new. That you know God actually, pardon me Lord, you don't worry, but I want to try and explain something. Do you know God worries about me more than I worry about myself? Now, worry in quotes now. He's more concerned about my life than I am concerned about it. Okay, let's use the right words. He has more thoughts about me than I have about myself. There is nothing that I'm, I'm disturbed about that he does not know and that he has not thought about ahead of time. That kind of answer we give is why God does not do much genetic engineering in our lives. Please, I'm not saying we should be rash. And just, you know, they are fatalists. You know what they call fatalists? The people that Solomon calls fools. What are fools? They don't know what's going on. When I say AS and AS now, they don't say, eh, Arsenal and... Um, that's to them, AS is Arsenal. AS Roma, thank you. They, that's all they know. There are people like that. And the Englishman said it, which is so true. Such people rush, rush into where even angels fear to tread. The Bible calls it complacency of fools destroys them. I'm not talking about fools. I'm talking about believers in Christ Jesus. A believer takes such a scenario. That statement to him have you noticed it's not the word of God? Have you ever read your Bible and you found it yes there? I read another Bible, you found it yes there. And the Bible said, Thus you shall say to them, AS shall never marry AS. We Christians do not make final decisions based on environmental evidence or scientific evidence. Final decisions are made with consideration with the scriptures. I have not said do rash things. I'm saying take it to God in prayer. That's what I'm saying. And there are scriptures you will collect. They came to Jesus. Who sinned that this one should be born blind? You know what he said? They said, was it him or his parents? He said, none, none of them. So why was he born blind? He said, now that scripture can be difficult to interpret. Because now they will make, ah, what kind of cheap glory is that? You blind somebody, then you want to show your glory. Why don't you just make him grow taller? Is that not enough glory? You would, like now, you take my height now, I come back tomorrow, and I'm one foot taller, and my hair has grown back. 
I was, and I do like Olesho Yenka just to prove that God does miracle, miracle hair growth. No, Olesho Yenka's hair is all over the place. The other ways of getting glory rather than making a man suffer for 30 something years. And that would be legitimate reasoning. Because if you read Charles, um, Charles Finney, he talks about how God gave us our intellect to be able to demonstrate his righteousness. This interpretation I have. What did Jesus say? Summary, he didn't answer the question. It's not every question that Jesus was asked that he answered. He said, who sinned that this one should be born blind? They gave him two options. They didn't say, was he his cousin? Did they say that? Did they say, was he his grandfather? Did they say, was he Adam? Did they say, was he the king of Israel? He said, ah, Pastor Bank, what has he got to do with king of Israel? When David sinned, did Israelites not die? So the king of Israel can also sin, and they will go blind. <laughs> they gave him two options, and he said, neither. That's the only thing we have. We don't have any other thing beyond that. Jesus said, neither. Next thing. He said, now, that the glory of God must be done in him, and will be done in him, I must walk the walk of him that sent me while it is day. What God got his glory from, and what Jesus was saying, is that let me walk the works of him that sent me while it is day. You will see the glory of God in this man's life. What am I trying to say? Difficulties will come into our lives. Every single one of them can bring forth the glory of God. We don't just get away and run away from difficulties. We take everything to God in prayer. Such decisions are not made overnight. They are made with intense... Now you say, why would a prayer be intense? It's simple. Because the medical information is intense. Everybody here knows the meaning of AS and AS. Everybody inside here. In the same manner, we don't make such decisions until we have gotten the meaning of S, so spiritual, S, spiritual, you get my point? SP, you know what SP? Spiritual power and spiritual power. We will pray until it is as tangible in our reality as the medical information that we have. There a time comes, anytime you think about it, you don't have a choice but to burst out in laughter. Christians, see, let me tell you something about Nigeria. Nigeria, I declare peace and prosperity upon you. Thank you for saying amen, but I was doing it all by myself. (laughs) You say, what do you mean by all by yourself? There are decisions we have made before. I said, Nigeria, I have the work to do for God. I have a destiny to manifest for God. You will arrange yourself. Let me do my work. That's why I said what I said. That the glory of God will be shown in my life and you will not be an obstruction. And listen to me if you are a troublemaker. I have just issued a word against you. Yes? There are times in life God didn't say don't boast. What did he say? Let your boast be in whom? In the Lord. My soul will make his boast in the Lord. And the humble will hear it and rejoice. I am more important than you if you're a troublemaker. I'm not the same. We're not the, listen, one head is not the same size as another head. Jesus Christ moving around was worth more than all the Jews put together. And all the Romans put together. 
I hope you get my point. Heaven and earth will pass away than for Jesus not to die in Jerusalem on Golgotha. If God had to wipe out the whole Roman Empire, he will if they don't do his will. When I say we're not the same level, I mean, I, know, I mean what I'm saying. One million troublemakers cannot shift my destiny. If I say, God, is this country we are going to do it, I'm declaring the word of God. This country, you will line up. You will line up. Why? Because I will not make my final decisions because of things going on around. People say, country is bad, let's go somewhere else. I say, no. If the word of God does not say to me, go somewhere else, I ain't going. That is the point I'm making to you. Serious situation like that. Like Pastor Chris said to us. The final word, the last word must be the word of God. The last word cannot be the word of science. The last word cannot be the word of medical science. No, no, most certainly, the last word must be the word of God. So before I make my decision, I go and boost my faith. Christians are not rash people. Am I relocating? It's not based on physical circumstances. Dollar can become a thousand five hundred naira. That's its problem. Oh, that's his problem. You are the one that knows where you are going to. You've been moving all my life. You have not reached where you are going. As a child, it was one dollar to one dollar. When I was a baby, when I was a little boy, it was 75 cover to the dollar. Now it's 500 and something naira to the dollar. And I have not died yet. Apparently, the dollar know where in they go. I, do, I also know where I'm going. And where it is going, it's not going to affect where I'm going. It will not. It will not. It will not change the fact that the Lord said, Behold, I will cause prosperity to flow towards you like a river and the wealth of the nations like an overflowing stream. The word of God decides where I stay. The environment does not. That's what I mean. So before I make decisions, I go to God and pray. This is how the word hit that man. He burst into laughter. His second name should be Isaac. <laughs> oh, the Lord is good. I don't know whether you are as excited as I am. Yes. The Lord will have the final say in our lives. Yeah. So what we need to make our decision, I'm talking about boosting up our faith. No matter how difficult the decision is, please don't let any other thing have the final word. It must be the word of God. There are a number of scriptures. Cook them together. Mix them together. And make it your medicine for the next one month. Deliberately building up your faith in that area. Listen to me. By the time you are making that decision, you will not be shaky. It's not with trepidation you'll be saying no. They'll say, you are about to step out on water. I say, but the Lord said, come. So you to be just so natural. It'll just be so natural. Sometimes difficult situations come into our lives. It is normal. Jesus faced it also. Even though he knew it was the will of God to go to the cross, but it was hard. So what did he do? He went into the garden and what did he do? Boosted up his faith. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. For this cause I came to this hour. Will I say, Father, deliver me from this hour? He said, but no. For this cause I came to this hour. He said, Lord, if it's possible, let this call pass over me. But nevertheless, not my will. Yours be done. He kept on going in and out until he came out the last time. The third time after prayer. And he said, come, guys, let us go. At that point in time, these revelations of God had been delivered to him by angels. And he was so occupied. What occupies you determines the amount of strength you have. He was so occupied with the visions of the deliverance he would give Banky and all those that hear him. 
that I couldn't feel the pain again. Because I would have been a slave. He said, I have one guy. No, 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 he would never be a slave. Because of this sacrifice, he would never be a slave. I'm telling you. He looked at you, looked at me, and said, what is the deliverance? I mean, how, how, how would they be delivered? They said, this cross. This guy will no longer be a slave. This girl will not be like this. And they began to show him that revelation. And that determined his strength. He followed that. He couldn't feel the pain. One day we were in my house. We were watching Mel Gibson's, uh, what do you call the, the Passion of the Christ. And my wife and Joy, two of them were there. You know the way women can do when it's movie time? I've learned it. My, my wife will be watching cartoons. She'll be detecting cartoon. Don't move that way. They are waiting for you in front. I said, sweetheart, it's a cartoon. They did it long ago. <laughs> so that day they were doing, oh, <laughs> they were watching it. So I sat under, you know, as a tough guy, you know. I used to be tough those days. Now I'm so soft. Anointing has made me soft. I just sat down like this. I was looking at them. I just said to them something. The, the two of them wanted to eat me. Except that one of them, I'm, I was her husband. And the other one, I'm a pastor. They didn't know how to eat husband and pastor. They would have eaten me that day. I just said to them, it was not paining him. Look at the old... See the way he's looking at me. Like, Pastor, should I do that to you? Let me see whether it will pay you. I said to them, he wasn't paining him. They looked like, how can? I said, it wasn't paining him. Uh, did you hear Jesus cry? cry? Hey, 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 they don't beat me. They want to give us, they want to give us. Oh, blood of Jesus, they want to kill me. <laughs> did you hear him say that? He looked at them. Are you crying for me? No, now. Don't cry for me. Cry for yourselves and cry for your children. That's what he said. He didn't cry for himself. It wasn't paining him. He said, Pastor Bank, he wasn't paining him. No, it was not paining him. It could not have pained him. The time of pain had passed. When was the time of pain? In the garden. That was when the weight was upon his soul. So tough was the weight upon his soul that they did not lay a finger on him. He was bleeding. He bled in the garden. He literally bled. Your Bible will say that the sweat from his face was as thick as blood. Have you ever seen different thickness of sweat? Sweat not get different thickness. Sweat not sweat. It's water with small salt. What the Bible said was that the sweat from his brow was blood. It wasn't as thick as blood. It was that he did his sleeve like this to wipe his face. And his sleeve got soaked with blood. That was when the pain was. What am I saying to you? The time of the pain of your obedience to God is this one month we are talking about. In which you take the scripture and build up your faith. By the time you come out, listen, whatever comes your way, it won't trouble you anymore. Bow your heads. Give the Lord thanks. Ah, that faith must be built. How do you build the faith? Feed it. With prayer and with feeding. Let's continue to pray. Let's give the Lord thanks for the word that we have received this evening. Say, Father, thank you for this word. Thank you. Thank you for encouraging me again. Thank you for building, you know, boosting my faith. With those words, I'm energized again. I'm strengthened. I can look with confidence and see 
Indeed, the Lord has a final say. Father, we thank you. We thank you for sending these precious words to us. Thank you. Blessed be God forever. Lord, we are so grateful. We give you thanks. We give you thanks.